Hello, and welcome to the First Baptist Hanford podcast. Our primary mission at FBH is to love God, love people, and serve the world. We hope that this weekly podcast will encourage you in your daily walk with Christ as we play for you our most recent sermon audio. Let's have a listen. going to be cute and say, my name is Peter Anderson, and I'm senior pastor. No? Jeff Melhon? No. Thank you. I didn't even ask him to do that, whoever did that. <laughs> no, I'm Dave Fox. I'm one of the lay ministers here at First Baptist. Uh, I've, there's about three or four of us here, former pastors, that uh, God has allowed us to be, come in and support uh, the staff and the uh, laity of First Baptist, and it's my privilege today to, to share with you. And I count it a, a real honor. Uh, I work full-time out at Lamore Naval Air Station. Uh, I uh, am there uh, through a series of strange circumstances, and yet I love it. Uh, I'm there to, to help support young men and women who are serving our country, and I appreciate that opportunity. I also have the privilege, and I do mean the privilege, uh, to assist and to help a group of people who have been unsung heroes for the last couple of years. And I'm going to give them a plug here. Uh, we have a group of men and women uh, led by uh, 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 a wonderful lady uh, that visit our shut-ins and are sick, and uh, I am privileged to come alongside them and to support them in visiting. And I want to say that if uh, you know someone who's in the hospital, someone uh, who uh, needs a visit, uh, please call me, call the office, call the pastors, uh, because we want no one uh, to go unnoticed and to uh, we want the opportunity to minister. Uh, when I had my little uh, episode in January, I was overwhelmed. Debbie and I were overwhelmed with the men and women who called, who came to see us. People that I see at church, but they never, you know, I haven't had them out for Starbucks or anything. And uh, they were there. And I thought, you know what? This is, everybody deserves this. Everybody deserves this opportunity. So I went to Peter and he says, well, it's funny you should mention that. And uh, so uh, I, I count that a privilege. So. Uh, I, I have enjoyed this series that we've been through. The Bible doesn't say that. How about you? All right. Yeah. All right. Now, Peter quoted the very first Sunday that many of these, up to 60% of the church, thinks that they're scriptures. Now, who would be willing to admit you got burned by one? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the one I'm preaching on today, oddly enough, is the one that I got burned on. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, uh, clearly evident that these uh, things that we've been talking about uh, are statements that are attributed to Scripture, but they're a little bit off. Uh, they're half-truths. Part of it is, is certainly sincerely uh, related to God's Word, but it's that other little part that kind of messes it up. I'll tell you what I thought of when we started this series. I thought of Adam and Eve in the garden, and Eve, she's out there, you know, by the fruit tree, and uh, uh, she's in the garden, and I don't know, maybe weeding. My wife, she gardens, and she's out there all the time. And uh, old Slewfoot come up and said, hey, why don't you take a bite of that apple? Oh, no, no. We, God has said we can have anything else we want. Boy, look at this. Isn't this great? We can have all of this, but don't touch that. And what does old Slewfoot, the devil, say? Oh, surely he didn't say that. Surely not. And I found that in this series, it's, it's it just as much a part that the Bible doesn't say that to know that as to know what the Bible does say. And I think Peter and Jeff have done a marvelous job in pointing out that the Bible goes well beyond uh, what our expectations are. Um, I've been preaching since I was 15 years old. Now, I won't tell you how old I am now, but that's been a little while. And I have been more nervous about this, uh, more concentrated on this than I have any other message I've ever done in my life. And uh, it's a very broad subject, and there's a lot of ins and outs. There's a lot of ways to go with it. Uh, I'm kind of like, uh, who's a little fish? Dory, you know? She's swimming along, you know, and talking to you, and she, you know, I'm more like the dog. I like the dog myself, you know, squirrel, you know, walking along, and oh, there's another good point, but here's a better point, and that's how this has kind of been. 
Uh, and so I, I, I would say, Lord, I, I've only got 30 minutes. I, uh, by the way, okay, the clock's up there, good. I've only got 30 minutes. I, how am I going to get all this in there? Because there's so much to say. And I started to result to the old uh, homiletical outline, three points in a poem, and we're done, right? Uh, now, mind you, none of our pastors do that. But I've been around some who did. And so I asked God, I said, give me an understanding of, of uh, how I'm to deal with this and, and how I can make it real. Have you all heard the story of, of the doctor? Uh, the guy goes to the doctor and he says, Doc, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, what? Don't do that. Now, the doctor could have been right, but you know, as a patient, you'd like a little more. Have you ever had that happen for real? Well, I have. <laughs> Doc, I just, my blood pressure is just so bad. Well, if you'd lose some weight, fat so. I don't want to hear that. But you know what? He's right. I'm down 22 pounds. <laughs> 60 to go. But we sometimes, if we're not careful, can tend to treat subjects of great importance like that. You know, pastor, it hurts when I do this. Well, quit doing that. And again, I say, our pastors don't do that. And God gave me some clarity there. What do I need to point out about this subject? The Bible doesn't say, and our subject uh, will be on in a moment, but the Bible does not say God will not give you more than you're able to stand. That's something, how many of you thought that that was scripture? Come on, be honest. Yeah. God won't give me more than I can stand. We're going to see today that, oh, yes, he will. And we're going to talk about why and how. But what I wanted to share with you is, with the exception of one or two days, every day, about the last four weeks, where I've really been struggling to nail this down, God has sent somebody my way who is dealing with just the most difficult, most tragic, and most hard issues of life. He's put a face on this for me. And that's allowed me to see, okay, Lord, we want to empathize with those that are struggling. And, you know, struggling is relative, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's relative to where we live. How many are struggling with where you're going to have your next meal? And I don't mean whether it's Denny's or IHOP. How many of you are struggling with whether or not you'll be able to eat today? Nobody. And yet Pastor and Sarah, they just go back from an area where those people are struggling to get a meal a week. It's relative, isn't it? Now, does that mean that my hardships and my pain is any less real than theirs? No. But to them, if they get a meal, they're happy as can be. They could care less with whether or not what next week holds. It's what God has given them for today. And so I want to share with you uh, something. Now, uh, in just a second, there's going to be a picture up here on the screen. And we're going to have a little interaction here, briefly. But I want you to think and to say the first thing or thoughts that come to your mind. And don't worry about getting all spiritual. Just, just think of what you would say. So take a look at this picture. Got it? All right. Nice and loud. Somebody tell me what. Raise your hand so there's not more than one. What? Wet? Okay. You got to be loud. I'm old. What else? Spectacular. Now, now, okay, there's an old beach person there because that's me. I looked at that wave and I went, oh, awesome. I'd like to be riding that thing. What else? Mighty power. Yes. Lighthouse. Okay. What else? Real loud. Thank you. That's honesty. Do you see? What do you see there? Real tiny. Guy standing in the doorway. Like he just stepped out for a breath of fresh air. You or me are thinking, that guy's nuts. But there he stands, calm, collected. Why? How? We'll, we'll keep going here for a minute. <laughs> what? It's his job? Okay. I like that. I hadn't thought about that. He's supposed to be there. What else? Show. A sheltered, yes. What's he sheltered by there? A lighthouse. What's that lighthouse made on? Made of? Rock. And what's it sitting on? I didn't get the full story on this lighthouse, so you forgive me for that, but by the looks of it, that lighthouse is well over 100 years old. How many of those waves have hit that lighthouse over the past 
hundred years plus. It stood the test of time. That man is sheltered and he's calm and he's collected because he knows where he stands. Notice he didn't open the door on the other side. I don't even know if there's a door there. But he has confidence in where he stands. That is the bullseye we're going for today. I want us to leave this place today with confidence and knowing where to stand. And that man is standing right then and there. Well, that's all the interactive other than you can say amen and woohoo and good point. All right? Let's get into our text. Uh, the Bible does not say, what does the Bible not say? That we, that God will give us more than we are able. Uh, I was reminded of Paul's statement in Romans that God will not give you more than, or God will not allow you to suffer temptation in Acts, it's in Corinthians. Uh, more, well, he wouldn't allow you to suffer temptation above that which you're able, but with every temptation, he will provide a means of escape. And my good friend, uh, uh, Gene Cottingham, we were talking about this, and uh, boy, I love old Gene. Uh, is Gene here today? He was going to try to be here. Okay. Brother Gene, I saw a hand wave. And we were talking about this. And boy, if you get the chance, talk to Gene about what he's been through. He's been at death's door this month, or this last year, the last couple of months. And I talked to him and said, what did you learn? And he said, when I learned that, well, he said, my first question was, where's God? And then he understood. Jesus was standing right there saying, I'm here. When are you going to trust on me? When are you going to lean on me? And he learned that we have to be active. We have to be proactive. We have to be offensive in our faith. Not offensive as uh, a repelling, but offensive as marching forward. And so that, that, that scripture that is attributed to this statement you know, that Paul says, he won't allow me to suffer above which I'm able, what he's saying is, is that with every temptation that we encounter, and trials are, uh, we encounter temptation to give up on God, to give up on ourselves, to give up on one another. And God will provide a means through his word, through his Holy Spirit, to escape that and to deal with that. Let's take a look and see. Paul, basically, we could read this passage that I'm going to read in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians and be enough said. We could go home. Now, don't nobody say, ooh, amen, let's go. Okay? Open your Bibles or look up on the screen. If you got your Bibles, open to it because I'm going to be coming back to it several times. But here's what he says. God bless his word, and I pray that uh, he'll, he'll give us the words he wants us to know. He says in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive ourselves from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope is firm. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. When I read the scriptures, I look for key words and phrases that just pop out and say, here I am. Look back at those first few verses. First of all, it begins. Now, now keep in mind, obviously, who's writing this? The Apostle Paul. Apart from Christ, one of the most influential and, and, and wonderful uh, men in the entire New Testament. Wrote uh, 12, possibly 13 books of our scripture. Uh, Paul was someone who had it going on. But he had more going on than the good. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he says, praise to God. Here's a leader, a man to look up to, a man that we can respect, who says, listen, God is good. Remember, Pastor Gary used to say that, God is good, and we would say, all the time. It's true. Praise to the God. Why? Because he's the father of compassion, and he's the father of all comfort. The first thing we need to understand is, is when we face our trials, and we'll expound this a little bit, but we need to know where to go. I love the statement, and I, I don't know who originally said it, but he, he just simply said this. He said, I am not perfect as a Christian. I'm just one beggar telling the other beggars where the food's at. Amen? That's all we are. It doesn't matter if it's the pastor or if it's the usher. And by the way, this, this has a lot of depth to it. We are all in this together. And who we are and what we are, and as we're gifted by God to serve, it's for the benefit of one another. 
So I will be very careful to, to look down on you and to say, well, what you do is not important. How dare me? God has placed you where you are. My good friend Brian Timmerman, uh, new to the Lord in the last couple of years and uh, new to our church. And he is kind of shy. Brian, are you here? Oh, there you go. Sorry. He's kind of shy, but I made him. <laughs> He's greeting out there, and he loves it. And guess what, Brian? Several people have said they love shaking your hand, and they come to your door. That's important. That has meaning. Those people that I'm working with and that Janice has been working with who visit, no fanfares, no names in the bulletin. They just visit, and when you go to see those people, their faces just light up. What a blessing. I'm kind of mad they've been hiding that because I, I, I wanted to feel that. That was, it's pretty cool to go in and see a big smile on a face that hasn't smiled all week. God is the father of compassion and comfort, and he comforts through us, and comfort abounds in him. Our hope for you is firm. I want to share just uh, four quick points this morning about our trials and our troubles. Uh, as I said, I, I, I met several people this week that were going through some difficult times, We've got some here this morning that have lost a loved one this past week or even in the weeks prior to that. We've got some who uh, are struggling with their jobs. We have some that are struggling with illnesses and disease, and those, uh, those are serious things. And yet we have also some who are struggling with their failures. We have some who don't think they're good enough. We have some who are searching and wonder, when will I ever figure it out? We all have the issue of trials and difficulties and the answers that are in the scriptures we're going to share today apply to all of them. So I'm not going to tell you, it hurts when you do this, well, quit doing that. But I am going to love you enough to tell you that sometimes the things we're going through are allowed by God to get our attention and to get us to reach out to him. Like my brother Gene said, God's over there waiting. I said, when are you going to call on me? I'm here when you're ready. I've had that happen in my life, not on a serious level. But I, you know me, and I'm always so serious. But I've had things going on in my life and tried to do things saying, I can do this, and just flop, flop, flop. And just as if he were sitting right there, said, okay, how's that working out for you, Dave? Are you ready to let me do the job for you, in you, rather? Are you ready? And that's what God wants to know today. Are we ready? Let me uh, share something with you. Uh, first thought I want to share with you is, is that God is not the source of our troubles. Did you get that? Look down at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed. I like that. Uh, I, I joke with people, and many of you have heard me say it, but I, one thing I love about Charles Stanley when he's preaching, now that's Daddy, Daddy Stanley, Charles. He'll be going along and teaching, and all of a sudden he'll say, now listen, listen to me now. Are you listening? And that's what Paul's doing here. He says, listen. I don't want you to be uninformed. Brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. Does the Bible say God will not give us more than we can take? Absolutely not. Paul said, oh, on contrary, don't be uninformed. He will. And we'll, we'll understand why in a moment. But we need to start there and realize that we're not in this alone. We're not the first person who's ever had to encounter whatever it is I'm encountering. I, I counsel people that I'm talking to about that. Listen, you, this is not the first time this has happened. So we need to seek out those people that it's happened with who have dealt with it in the manner in which God wants us to deal with it and get that advice. He said, all this happened. And he said, I, I thought I was a goner. I, I, I felt that I'd received the sentence of the death. And I don't know if you noticed that, but he said, I was ready. He said, I despaired of life. Now, I wouldn't even ask today if someone's here who is despairing of life, but you know what? There could be. Suicide is, is one of the biggest plagues in our society. People despairing of life. But the good news is, is God is standing by and wants you to reach out to him. And wants you to find purpose wants you to find the solution to whatever it is you're dealing with. God is not the source of our trouble. What is the source of our trouble? It's the world we live in. <clears throat> now, Pastor Jeff did a great job last week talking about the fact that God does not, uh, or rather that trials in our life does not mean that we've, we've 
ticked God off, uh, to put it in layman's terms. We're not suffering because uh, God wants to punish us, but we're suffering because we live in a world that is ran headstrong away from God. How many of you this morning got aches and pains and, and seriously, some with disease? Raise your hand. Oh, really? You guys go to the gym all the time or what? All right, let me rephrase the question. How many of you are getting older? Thank you. Did you know that, that uh, dying is the leading cause of death? <laughs> Have you read that? God didn't create us for this. God created us to be perfected and live forever. Now, that's a pie-in-the-sky theological point so often, but think about it in a day-to-day -day, uh, uh, stance. God didn't make us to be this way. God didn't create us to have depression. He did not create us to have illness or sickness. But because of the fallen nature of man, and we can't blame it on Adam. Oh, Adam, he sure goofed it up, didn't he? Nah, as each and every one of us here reached an age of accountability where we in our heart knew that we were being disobedient, that we were running. We may not have known exactly who God was, but we knew that we weren't living like we ought to live. That's the fallen nature. And look at all the things that come with fallen nature. Real quickly, somebody yell out, what's one of the biggest problems in our society today? Drugs. Why do people take drugs? Because they don't want to deal with reality. What else? What? Well, no, I'm talking about personal issues. <laughs> More immorality. Why do people, when they've got a, a wonderful wife or a wonderful husband, why do they go looking for elsewhere? And some of you may have experienced that, and God bless you that you've dealt with it and that Christ has restored you in your marriages, but the fallen nature, we live in a fallen world, and as a result, we encounter hard things. There's a, a, a person, a, a person, Freudian slip, there's a young lady by the name of Lauren Jacobs. She is a messianic rabbi. Now, for those of you who don't know that, you know what a rabbi is. That's a, a Jewish uh, priest or, or leader. But the Messianic Jews are those Jews who have accepted Jesus Christ as Messiah. And their sole mission in life is to present Messiah to the rest of the Jewish nation. Listen to what she said about the fallen world. She said, in some ways, those who are saved will experience fewer troubles in life because many troubles are avoidable. And, and that relates to what Pastor Jeff shared last week. You know, sometimes when we have problems, we think, what have I done? How many of you have ever prayed or been praying earnestly about something and you were doing your dead level best to live right, to pray, to read your Bible, to do everything you knew you were supposed to do, so God to answer your prayer? Anybody want to admit to that? Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where that thought comes from, that if I live, if I'm good enough, if I'm strong enough, God's going to bless me. No, that's wrong. Uh, in some ways, we will experience fewer problems, but not always. There are troubles that result from not ending our part in the great rebellion against God. Now, that's a fancy way of saying and not dealing with the sinful nature. You don't need to accept Christ because we think you're not good enough because we, we don't feel that way. As I said, I'm a beggar telling another beggar where the food's at. But you need to accept Christ as personal Lord and Savior of your life to pull away from this fallen world, from this fallen nature. She said there are troubles that result from disregarding the teachings found in God's word. Those who end their rebellion against God and are obedient to his word should not make many of the same foolish mistakes which create our troubles as those who rebel against God and his word. However, and there's always a however, isn't there? However, the followers of Messiah will experience other kinds of troubles, troubles that the world will not experience. Messiah told us that following him means taking up our cross. Taking up our cross means trouble. Those who follow Messiah will experience the opposition of a world that is in rebellion against God. Did you catch that? When you take your stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going contrary to a fallen world order. You're going to have some friction. There's going to be some issues. It'll be different for each of us. That's why we've got so many secret service Christians. You know what that is? I ran across a whole bunch of them on my bus out at the base over the years. When they heard me talking, they finally said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I accepted Christ when I was six. What? I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a Christian. What are you hiding it for? Well, you know, you're going to have to take your stand, and you're going to come up against some friction 
some problems, some issues. But look what the payoff is. Some of you over here that said you don't have any ills because you go to the gym and you work out and uh, you eat right and you do all those things. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to eat right. It's hard to get out there. No pain, no gain. Remember that? Well, what's the payoff? A nice, healthy, strong body. Working your spiritual muscles, your um, oiga, what is it? What is it? Guys, I'm old. Tell me. What? Your muscle, spiritual muscles, you had a couple of... Swole, that's it, swole. I'm sorry, that was a long way to go for uh, a current... You know, anyway. <laughs> Taking up our cross means trouble. Those who follow Messiah will experience the opposition of a world that is in rebellion against God. They hated the Messiah and the world will hate us. The servant should expect to be treated the same or even worse than his master. God does not promise to eliminate a trouble from our lives. He promises to help us through our troubles and to comfort us in our troubles. The point is, God is not the source of our troubles. We'll talk about what the solution is in a moment. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, do you believe? I like that he started with that because that's where it begins. I'm, I'm grateful to see a full congregation here this morning. But just being here, coming to church makes you a Christian about like going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Okay? Come, now, you go to McDonald's, you can get a Big Mac. Okay? You come to church and you hear the Word of God preached. You feel the love of men and women who really have no reason to get involved in your life. And yet you know that they're involved. You know that they care. And that nurtures the spirit. And that allows you to come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is to them and who he can be for you. Jesus says, do you believe? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each of you to your own homes. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. See, God is not the source of our troubles. His fallen world is. Uh, this uh, was written by uh, a young lady named uh, Leigh Melchoroy. She said, some religions seek to explain about the ills of the world. Bad things are attributed to karma or blamed solely on man's own misguided actions or just chalked up to God's inattention. You get that? <laughs> not so with Christianity. It is not sugarcoat the evil in the world. When the world tells us, as it does, that everyone has a right to a life that is easy, comfortable and relatively pain-free, a life that enables us to discover, display, and deploy all the strengths that we have within us. The world twists the truth right out of shape. Jesus withdrew, or Jesus' worldview was very different. He pulled no punches. He said, in the world, you'll have trouble. Yet he didn't leave it there. He encouraged his followers by saying, take heart, I've overcome the world. Have you experienced, do you know, that Jesus is overcome. The Bible says he was tempted in every manner in which we were, yet without sin. And, and by that, uh, you know, we try to make a theological debate about that, but the bottom line is Jesus was tempted just like us and he didn't give up. The greatest illustration of his temptation was when he was in the garden, when he was being taken to the cross, when he was weeping, knowing what was coming. And when the scriptures say he could have called a legion of angels to deliver him, he prayed to his father and he said, nevertheless, father, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, that's hard. Sometimes in our situations, it's hard, but we need to do it because the payoff is beyond measure. The benefits of trusting God beyond our difficulties. <coughs> Excuse me. God is not the source of our troubles. Secondly, God strengthens us in our troubles. Verse 9. Look it up at verse 9, please. He talked about his despair and about his uh, belief that he was dying, but he says, this happened to me that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. I don't think the scripture is accidental in his presentation. He said, these things happened to me so that I would rely on God, who by the way, can raise them the dead. Has anybody got a problem in here this morning that's bigger than coming back from the dead? God can handle it. You ever look at your uh, uh, literature you get from your bank and it tells you, you know, how much their assets are? And, you know, my, my mortgage is just, you know, under $100,000. And uh, 
if I get in trouble, I, I see in the paperwork that I can go to them and they have the resources to help me and to give me the ability to get through whatever I need to go through. That's a secular institution, you know. God, in his word, displays his assets, his eternal assets. He's just, he's compassionate, his love, his grace, his mercy. God can handle it. We may live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen Savior. Question, where and on what do I stand? Now, he said that God strengthens us in our troubles so that we might rely on him. Can you think of something that's happened in your life where you finally reached the point where you couldn't deal with it anymore and you let God have it? Church, does that happen to you? What a blessing. Remember those times. Where on what do we stand? Do we stand on the word of our pastors, our teachers, our friends, our denominational affiliation? Or do we stand on the relationship with Christ? Now, all those individuals that I mentioned, pastors, teachers, friends, those are all important and all have biblical points and places in our lives. But they are not what we should be standing on. Paul told the Corinthians, there's coming a time, or excuse me, he told uh, the disciples, there's coming a time when you're going to be persecuted and, and you'll be chased into your homes. And what he was talking about is you will not be able to gather publicly like we're doing this morning. If we're dependent, if our spiritual life is dependent on what our pastors tell us, what happens when we can't hear our pastors anymore? Now, I love, I look forward to every Sunday, you know, every Sunday. I look forward to see what God's word has to say. But what will happen to my spiritual life if that's removed? What will happen to my spiritual life if I can't call you up on the phone or I can't come to your house or you can't come to my house and say, Dave, I'm praying for you. Let's have prayer right now. There's coming a time when that won't be possible. How many of you have seen the little ichthys fish? You know what I'm talking about, the little fish? What's that a symbol of? Christianity, it's, it's from the first uh, century, I believe. And during a great persecution, it might have been the second century, but during a great persecution where they couldn't be vocal about their faith, they would come up to somebody who they wanted to know if they were a believer or not. They would draw that half of it. Just, you know, oh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Brother, sister. That was how they, they told. That's how bad it was. And guess what? In communist countries today, in, in Islamic countries, that's the kind of pressure they're under. That's the kind of difficulty that they're dealing with. If they're caught sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can be imprisoned and in some cases killed. Where do we stand and on what do we stand? If you can picture in your mind that lighthouse, where did that man stay? stand on that lighthouse as that wave was crashing over? Stood in the doorway. By the way, Jesus said, I'm the, or, I'm the door. I stand at the door and knock, and if any man opens up, Jesus must have been knocking because he opened the door and he was looking up saying, my, my, isn't this pretty? He had confidence where he stood. We need to have that confidence. That's the confidence that we need. Listen to what David said. Psalm 18, he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I've been saved from my enemies. The psalmist is saying God's been there before, and he'll be there again. He's listening, and he wants to. In that same psalm, verse 16, it says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Have you ever felt like you were drowning? Have you ever been in a situation that was so grievous that you felt like you were drowning and you wondered, where is God? David said, look up. And I like the fact he mentions that God's on high and yet God reached down. And that's what Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ was God Almighty reaching down to his creation that had been marred. If you ever made something and something happened, it, it you know, some of you who are bakers, you know, and, and my wife's a, a great baker, uh, and for our visitors, I didn't get this way by accident. Uh, but she's been baking something, and it looked like to me, oh, man, smelled good, tasted good, and, you know, trash, because it didn't come out just like it was supposed to. It's not what she intended. And that's okay if you're baking, 
But if you're the creator of all the living things of the entire universe, aren't you grateful that God didn't say? Now, that's not a, that maybe wasn't the best way to illustrate that point, but God reached down from on high. We think, oh, God, yes, whoo, God. No, God loves us. And he reached down to a drowning creation and said, I'm going to save you. I want to pull you out. He said he rescued me from my powerful enemy. God's not the source of our troubles, but rather he will strengthen us. So the question is begged. So with whom will you stand? Where will you stand? On what will you stand? You see, we see that we will have trials in this life. But we also see that God is there for us to meet our need. But a question remains, why? Why am I dealing with these troubles? Why am I struggling with things of life? And he answered that question in verses 3 and 4. And I I love the way that Paul did it because he used himself as an illustration. He said in verse 3, he said, Praise to be God, the Father of compassion, comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. He said in verse 6, If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. They all knew what Paul was dealing with. They all knew that he was at the point of death. They had heard. And he, and he said, whoa, he didn't come out and post on Facebook, man, I'm having a tough day. Man, I'm just so broken. I'm, you know, we've all got friends like that. Every time, you know, they stub their toe, they post it and want us to feel sorry for them. Paul didn't do that. He said, I gladly go through this because in my comfort, I can provide you with comfort. There are some of you, and, and I'm going to use my friend Gene again. He was at death's door. I haven't been there yet. But he was at death's door, and he stood firm in his faith. Mike Watkins. How many years now, Mike? Cancer-free. How much? Gosh, have I been here that long? Wow. Went to the doctor. Doctor said, you better home, go home and get your things in order. I, I shared this personally with a couple other people. We have a, a, a college friend, Cheryl Hirschman, and her mom uh, went in for a procedure, a seemingly simple procedure. And they opened her up. They stitched her back up and said, Miss Hirschman, just go home and get ready. you got a couple of weeks left. And I like what she did. She said, don't you dare tell me when I'm going to die. God is my Lord and Savior. And when he's ready, that's when I'll die. Huh? That's standing on the promises of God. That's standing and saying, Lord, my life is in your hands. I love that song. My life is in your hands. My heart is in your keeping. She died about uh, 10 years, 10 years later, something like that. You know, God is the one who holds our future. In the things we go through, he enables us to help others to go through. It's a blessing to be able to look someone in the eye who's feeling tremendous pressure and difficulty and to be able to say, I know what you're feeling. If you don't, don't ever say that. Just say, I'm, I'm here for you. But if you have been through something tough, something that was a a, a trial in your life, you have the right and you have the ability to say, listen, I know what you're feeling. I've been there. And I want you to know God is there for you. He'll give you what you need. I know you know right now you ain't got it. You haven't got it. But you can have it. And that leads me to the last point. God uses our troubles we're, we're, we're in this world, but he strengthens us with our troubles, and he uses us uh, to enable us to, to help others. And I, I wanted to make one little point. Second Timothy says this, and I read this, and I don't know, I've never read this before. Or I didn't notice it before. He said, uh, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, that is the common use, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. I can stand and say, oh, Jesus loves you and he wants to be your savior. He wants to help you. I can do all those things. I can give you the everyday drink of life. But when you're facing an uncertain future and someone who has been there and done that can come to you, they're a vessel of gold and God has a special purpose for them. We don't all think that we're very special. God knows that we are. We all have something to offer. Final point I want to share with you is is God is not the source of our troubles, as we pointed out in the beginning. But I'd like to conclude with this. 
He is the solution. Amen? He's the solution. We all want answers. When, when, when we punch up our computer and we hook up to the internet and it goes buffering, 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 can't connect, can't connect, can't connect, we want to know what's wrong. I pay 18 whatever you pay a month for your internet. I got to have it. I want it. You, some of you, have you been there, right? <laughs> I'm on the school system, and I can tell when the kids are out of school because my computer says buffering, buffering, buffering. They're all home playing games. We want to know. We want to find the answers. And in our, in our difficulties of life, we want answers. And, and forgive me, I, I, I'm not making light of it. I, my style is to, to be personable and, 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 and down to earth. But I know that some of the things some of you are dealing with is serious. Children that you're worried about. Health situations that you're worried about. Uncertainty about where you're going to spend eternity. Those are serious things. But the answer is found in Jesus Christ. And I tell you, look at the evidence. Look at the people who lived after the first, second, and third century. When Jesus had been crucified buried and resurrected and it was so real and it was so truthful that there were literally tens of thousands of people who gave up their lives because they believed the truth god's not asking you in this day and age yet to give up your physical life he's just asking you to believe it's the truth remember that old game show let's make a deal remember that if for those of you who are too young and don't remember that, it was a game show and they would bring out something on stage and, you know, a Vanna White person would say, this is this and that. How much do you think this? Oh, that, that's worth twenty nine ninety five. You know, it's worth forty nine ninety five. Or if they won, oh, good, now you get that. And you would accumulate prizes and, and you would win. And then in the end, there were two people who won the most prizes. Gosh, I hope I got this right. No, I've got, I'm, mixing up two, I'm mixing up two game shows, aren't I? Price is right. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm old. <laughs> but anyway, in the final round, there were three doors. Which one is it? Let me make my point, okay? Okay, enough interaction. <laughs> But let's make a deal. Whatever one it was, at the end of the show, they had three doors, but two people, right? And they, uh, this was the old version. Maybe I'm thinking of a third show. I don't know, but they had a key. They had a key. <laughs> it was one person had to pick through three keys, and then they went up, and they had to pick a door. And so I picked, hey, Gene, I picked door number two. Okay, well, let's see what was behind door three. And, you know, they'd open up and there was, you know, a donkey with a straw hat or something. Anyway, the, the point I was trying to get to, I think, <laughs> if the key fits, you got the right key, right? If you go home this afternoon from church and you walk up to a house and stick a key in the door and it doesn't open, you may be next door. It may be the wrong door. <laughs> Lord... <laughs> If he used a mule, he can use me. Okay. But Jesus Christ is the real deal. Look at the religions of the world. Look at all of the isms and, and cults and things that offer temporary, earthly, inward-turned solutions. They don't work. Oh, I have aura, and I'm good. You're still going to die and spend eternity somewhere you don't want to. So how do you know, Dave? Because of all of the men and women who knew Jesus in a real way, more even so than we did, who gave their life for it. They didn't believe. I like what Peter says. Man, it's one of my favorite verses. Peter said, we, we haven't believed fairy tales. We were eyewitnesses. Peter says, I saw Jesus raise Lazarus, raise Lazarus from the dead. I saw him heal the lepers. I saw him do all the things that you just heard about. I saw them, and I'm sharing them with you. God's not the source of our troubles, but he is the solution. I'll finish with this verse. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, when you're faced with that trial, that heartache, that hardship, when that day comes, that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Probably the most powerful interaction I had over the last couple of weeks, I went to, I go to breakfast on uh, occasional Friday with some other Christian men. And I got there early. And as I sat down in the restaurant right next to my table there, there was a, uh, I say a semi-quadriplegic. He had a limited use of his upper arms, but uh, paralyzed certainly from the waist down and partially paralyzed from up. And he was just kind of leaned over and, you know, and, and I wanted to say good morning, but I didn't want him to be uncomfortable. But I kept looking over and, and here came his breakfast and the waitress, evidently he's there quite a bit. She woke him up and set his plate there and he, he struggled to get his eggs, but he fed himself. And, and I thought, oh, bless you. And I thought about the message today, and I thought, oh, that's awesome, man. He's able to eat eggs. He's able to feed himself. That's just tremendous. As we sat there and as we began to visit, he looked over, and he heard something. Somebody said something. It's probably me. He said something stupid. But he looked over, and he smiled, and he made a comment. And uh, we, I, I started to talk with him. And then you come up, and, yeah, I'm, I'm here every, every morning. Oh, great. And I said, uh, uh, what, what do you, uh, are you, do you live here locally? And, and are you in the veterans facility? He goes, no, no. He said, I live uh, south of town. I go, really? And I, and I don't know why I said it, because it was kind of a stupid question. I said, well, what do you do? And then after I said it, you know, one of the things you start, he said, I ranch. You ranch? Oh, well, pa- I blew it. Pa- before I asked him that question, I said, so uh, what's your story? Have you been paralyzed since birth? And he goes, no. He said, I was in the Army. I was in Special Forces. I was at Guantanamo Bay. I go, oh, thank you for your service in that. And he said, I said, what happened? He said, between shifts, I was out riding a horse, and I fell off and broke his neck, and he paralyzed himself. And I thought, wow. And then I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he said, I I ranch. I've got a ranch down south of town. I said, really? I started to say, you got to be kidding me. But I said, really? Yeah. I said, what do you got? And he says, well, uh, mostly sheep and goats. And he said, I've, I've got a few cattle. And, and we just kept talking. And I saw in my mind, and I, I have to believe to overcome that kind of, you know, to make lemonade out of those kind of lemons, he had to have had help. And unfortunately, we didn't get the time to talk further. But I would like to believe that Jesus, if he wasn't, became Lord of his life in that situation. And he took the, 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 the suffering that he had in his life, and he, and he said, God, use me as you will. That's a man who can look at someone who's just lost their legs, who's just lost their health, who's just lost something great, who's bitter because what did I give this up for? Look at this. Somebody mentioned politics earlier. When I hear the things that I hear and they're arguing and fussing in our country. And I think about the men and women that are putting their life on the line every day. I grieve for them. In this world, we're going to have troubles. God's not the problem. But my friends, God is the solution. Laura Story, a good Christian artist, a female artist. She married her childhood sweetheart. They got married. She was, you know, doing great things and everything was going well. He got a brain tumor nearly died he was in a coma he was completely paralyzed and she penned the words to this song and i just want to want to read them very quickly as we close because it really typifies what paul was saying in this passage we pray for blessings we pray for peace comfort for family protection while we sleep we pray for healing for prosperity we pray for your almighty hand to ease our sufferings And all the while, you hear each spoken need. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? 
We pray for wisdom, a voice to hear. We cry in anger when we feel, cannot feel that you're near. We doubt your goodness and we doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while, you hear each desperate plea and long that we would have faith to believe. Because if your blessings come through raindrops, what if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights, what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? And then finally she says, when friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart, this is not our home. This is not our home. What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst that this world can't satisfy? What if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, and the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? I won't tell you, stop doing that. I won't minimize whatever the trial you're dealing with, whether it's a, a, a trial of faith in your mind and in your heart, whether it's an illness, whether it's a relationship, I won't tell you, just quit. I'll tell you, look up. And the answer lies with God and his son, Jesus Christ. We're gonna have prayer, and if you bow your heads, Pastor Peter and Pastor Jeff, I'm gonna ask them to come forward. And today as we're dismissed, if you're dealing with something and you'd like prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I know there'll be a lot of hustle and bustle, but come forward and let's pray. Let's stand together and look for the answer that God has for you. And if you're not a Christian, if you've never asked Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I invite you to come to see me or to see Pastor Peter, Pastor Jeff. Let us show you from God's word how that you can look for the solution and find help in your time of need. Father, thank you for these good folks that have taken time this morning to come. Thank you for the word of God, which is rich in its promises and rich in honesty. God, thank you that Paul could share with us the heartache and the pain of his heart and yet give us hope in our time of need. We can have hope in the same God and in the same the Lord that he had hope in. Lord, if it's your blessings that we seek after, may we see through our trials and our heartaches to the answer, which is Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. God bless you folks. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon. Music was by the band Broke for Free. And if you would like more information about our church, feel free to check out fbhanford.org. That's fbhanford.org. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.